You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. 32tour.com 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 Welcome once again to the podcast. Yes, indeed, it is 32 Thoughts, America alongside Friedman. And I want to start with a couple of thank yous because I want to make sure that people are acknowledged properly and right out of the gate. Nick Andrade, uh, who did excellent camera work for us over the past couple of days. Nick, who's smiling and bobbleheading right beside me and now giggling. Thank you very much. Excellent work. Uh, unlike my colleague, you are very punctual and professional. So Nick, well yeah, done. Yeah, um, well, you shouldn't. You should be more punctual and professional. We'll get to Amal in a second. Uh, Luke Fox, who is here, uh, taking notes and banging out stories. Wait, so we're thanking Luke Fox. Yeah. He didn't even do anything. He just he sat like, there the whole time. No, man. He like listened to all the interviews that we did, and he got content out quick. Please, and, he should be thanking us. And he's a good guy to hang around with. Um, and Amal. No, we are loath to give praise, but <laughs> well done, Amal Delich. Uh, well done. This was uh, a good event. This, all together. this was really good. The NHL, yeah, NHLPA Players Tour. Normally, this event takes place in Chicago. Moved to Vegas this season. We were in Europe a couple of, well, about a month ago, I suppose it was, for uh, for the uh, the European version of this. But this was good. Like It's always the beginning of the year where everybody's in a good mood. Because at the beginning of the year, no one's played a game. Everybody's optimistic. Everybody has a chance or thinks they have a chance. And they don't hate the media yet. They don't hate the media yet. We haven't said anything slanderous or offensive uh, about anybody's skill or, or anybody's team. Uh, we're going to hear from four different hockey players today, Fridge, and we'll go in reverse order. We're going to hear from Sidney Crosby. We've all talked to Sidney Crosby plenty of times. You've interviewed him numerous times, sometimes on the ice. Uh, usually in a setting like this, we you know have more of a, a more you know, in-depth, longer conversation. Where do you see Sidney Crosby right now in his career? The band is back together in Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, Latang is back. Malkin is back. Rust is back. They're running this thing back, taking... A few more swings at the pinata with with Sidney Crosby in the mix. Where do you think Sid's at right now? You know, I, I don't want to really talk too long because it's going to be a long podcast. I want yeah, everyone I want to, to get, get to the interviews. One thought on each guy. Here. I just think the thing is, is that you know he probably won't like to hear this. I find him as like a a, a very much like a a really wizened elder statesman. Like everything he says now is, it just seems so smart. I, I'm always looking at him now and saying, okay, there's the obvious of what he's talking about here. And then there's also like, he's he's almost like trying to hint something to you, right? So I'm also trying to figure that out too. The thing that's interesting to me about Crosby and as we tape this, I don't know that it happened, 
but he made a request to uh, meet oh, a yeah. comedian here who's got a residency in Vegas, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, who I think is hilarious. Like if you've ever heard the bit, if you've never heard the bit where he talks about how he got introduced to his wife, mm. it's it's fantastic. And Crosby was asked to meet him, and I think they were working on getting it done. So another reason I like Crosby. Big personality, Matthew Barzell, New York Islander. I think we're going to be seeing a lot a lot more of him as a face of the league over the next few years. That's one of those guys you look at and you say, skill set, check, mm-hmm. superstar. Personality, check, superstar. Mm-hmm. He's got it all. Um, and Nathan McKinnon now finally has his Stanley Cup. You'll hear from Nathan McKinnon in a couple of moments here on the podcast. But I guess the big question about him is not if, but when does the new deal get done? I think Colorado tried to get still a, a very big number in the double digits. I'm guessing probably around 11 was thrown around earlier in the summer. I think it's going to be higher than that. Look, I think that one gets done. I think everybody understands that uh, he's got to stay and and they've got to keep him. And it sounds like they're trying to get this done before the start of the season. So we all woke up this morning uh, to the news that Blake Wheeler is no longer the captain of the uh, the Winnipeg Jets. That was the big story of the day, um, not just here, but all around all hockey circles. And fortuitous that our second interview of the day is the first interview of this podcast, and that is with Mark Scheifele. I think, you know, when we do our next podcast, we'll, we'll talk about it. I think it's more fair for people to hear from Scheifele in this full interview first, and then we can wrap our, our heads around it. I do think that a lot of what's going on in Winnipeg is new coach, new era. And if you're going to change one thing, you might as well kind of change everything. And that's the way that the Jets, I think, are looking at it. You know, it's going to be interesting. Wheeler and Shifley were tight for a very long time. Uh, they ran that room. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out and how it changes the dynamics, if at all, of that room. Because I can't see, like, Wheeler's wired a certain way. I can't see Jeff at making him any less demanding of himself or others. No, I don't think that'll change at all. Uh, so here he is to kick off the podcast, Mark Shifley of the Winnipeg Jets on 32 Thoughts the Pod. Mark Shifley of the Winnipeg Jets joining us now here in 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Mark, thanks so much as always uh, for stopping by. The big story of the day. We'll get right to it. Blake Wheeler and the captaincy. Did this catch you by surprise at all? you have an initial thought on it? Um, uh, yeah, it definitely caught me by surprise. I know, you know, Blake talked to me right before leaving for leaving for Vegas and kind of just, I was pretty much like walking out the door and he kind of gave me the, the thought. And then actually Rick Bonus called me this morning just to tell me, you know, before, you know, hearing it from, you know, in the media or whatever. So definitely, yeah, I was, I was definitely shocked. Um, you know, I didn't see it coming. You know, I think right now it's just, you know, obviously, you know, Blake's a really good friend of mine and just want to be in for, there for him and for the team. And, you know, when I get back to Winnipeg, obviously I'm, we have a bit of a team weekend this mm-hmm. weekend, which would be good to, you know, get together as a team. So, you know, I just want to talk to the guys and, and, you know, just kind of get their thoughts and see how they're feeling. And, yeah. You know, we all got to work through this together, and we're all we're all here for Blake, and we're all here for the team. So, you know, obviously that's a team decision, and we'll go from there. Was there any part of you that said to Bonus or thought about saying to Bonus, you know, I'd like to be captain or something like that? If it's not going to be Blake, I'd like it to be me. No, I didn't say anything like that. I think, you know, first of all, I have so much respect for Blake. You know, he's been the captain for this team for, you know, for pretty much my whole career. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been a guy that I've looked up to, that I've learned a lot from, that I've that I've grown with, you know, over my, you know, 10 years in, in Winnipeg. So, you know, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want that. You know, I think, 
you know, Blake's been this leader, the leader of this team for so long. And, you know, I, I, I definitely didn't say that. I was just wondering if you'd want to do it. Like you would say, you know, hey, if you're looking for someone, I would like to do that role or anything like that. I definitely look at, look at myself as a leader. You know, I think we have, we have a lot of leaders on our team. I think, you know, me and me and Josh, you know, obviously the A's on the team, you know, obviously, yeah, we're, we're, we're younger. We have a, you know, a little bit different of a voice. So I think, you know, this gives us the opportunity for other guys to step in and, you know, but I think it's not just going to be one or two guys. I think it has to be a collective. It has to be, it has to be, you know, multiples of us. You know, we have the Nikolai Ehlers, the Kyle Connors, you know, Connor Hellebuck, you know, Adam Lowry. We have, we have so many guys on this team that, um, you know, have big voices. And I think this just, you know, we all have to do it together. It's not, it's not a matter of one guy. It's a matter of everyone doing it together and everyone being on the same page. And I think, you know, that's how this team's going to have to be led. What did you think the summer was going to be like for Winnipeg? I think a lot of us went into the summer thinking, okay, let's see what Winnipeg's going to do here. What did you think? I think I was the same boat as you guys. I was kind of, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of, you know, watching as a fan too. Like, you know, what, what are we, what are, what are, I know exactly. I was kind of, I was kind of wondering what's going to happen as well. So, you know, I think, you know, every day, you know, especially during free agency and all that stuff. And then, you know, you see other teams making trades or, you know, making big moves and you're kind of, you're, you're, you're unsure, you know, when it's not, when it's not your job, you you have, you have really, you have really no idea, you know, what's going to happen. So, you know, I kind of leave that to, you know, leave that to Chevy and just kind of, you know, bite my tongue and try to get better as a hockey player and, and go from there. How was your summer? It was awesome. I had a great summer. I changed up a few things in, in my, in my regime, you know, started working with a new trainer in Michigan. So it was nice to actually, you know, it sucks to have a long summer in, in our hockey world, but um, you know, for me personally, getting a good four months of training with a new trainer and understanding the movements and, you know, what they expect from me, it was, it was actually nice to have, have a longer summer of working out and training and, and mm-hmm. getting my body back to, back to where I wanted it to be. I was kind of in limbo the last couple of years. I was kind of, you know, wasn't sure what to do, kind of do it, you know, with COVID too. You, it was a lot of things you weren't able to go to a gym, you weren't able to do certain things. So, um, it was nice to, you know, kind of have a new change there and, Skated with OT a lot, you know, played a lot of golf, you know, enjoyed a lot of, a lot of family time. And, you know, I had, a, I had a great summer. When you left last year, I think there were a lot of people wondering, was that going to be the end of Mark Shifley in Winnipeg? You had a very emotional and passionate media conference. I think I just have to know, uh, I just have to understand where this team's going. Um, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the prime of my career. Um, you know, I, I still... You know, I still like I have I still have so much to improve on too, and um, and I, I I like where my game's at. I like you know the you know the physical nature that my that my body's at, and I think I'm I'm only improving. I'm only getting better. I'm only gonna be a better player next year than I was this year, and um, I just have to know where this team's going and what the direction is, and you know what the what the changes are what the changes are gonna be if if any, and um, you know I have to think about my career and my you know, what's going to be best for me. And I think those are going to be, I'm going to have to have, you know, talk to my agents and, and everyone in my family and stuff like that and figure out what, what I really want. And so it'll be a tough talk tomorrow. I think a lot of us took that to mean that maybe you wanted to go elsewhere. I looked into it. I was told that you never asked for a trade and that you had some pretty honest heart to heart talks with your, with Chevy and maybe even ownership too, about how you felt about things were going and how they felt about things were going. Can you talk a little bit about that process, Mark? Cause I do think there was a time there where a lot of us wondered if maybe you wanted a fresh start. You know, I was obviously very frustrated with the year and the way things, you know, panned out 
during the year. You know, so I was, you know, I was very honest at the end of the year, maybe, maybe a little too honest with, you know, in terms of being, you know, talking to the media, you know, usually I'm a little more closed off. So maybe, you know, don't, we, we, down, no, don't, don't do that down. because, no, you know, you can't like, uh, that's one thing I think about. We can't get upset at people for talking in cliches and then get upset when they talk honestly. So I will always take B as opposed to the cliche. So don't yeah. change that. Okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so that, 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 that was, I was, I was, I, I was very honest and I was, you know, I was frustrated with the year. So, you know, obviously when, you know, anger and emotion gets you then it's, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, gets you fired up. But yeah, I had a, you know, I think I was, you know, with uh, with Chevy and Zinger and Larry for like two hours for my exit meeting and, you know, gave my thoughts. I'm not going to go into it. You know, I, you know, I respect the confidentiality of that with, with Chevy and, you know, but we talked for two hours. It was a lot, a lot of, you know, diving into deep things and me giving, mm. me, me giving my thoughts and, and, and him giving his, his thoughts as well. So, you know, it was a long, long conversation and I know, you know, a lot of people thought I, I know I even had buddies are like, are you getting traded? Like what, like what's going on here too? So I like, I, yeah, I, I never asked for a trade. You know, I just wanted to, you know, get to the nitty gritty. I want to, I want to mm-hmm. win. I, you know, I feel like I'm in the prime of my career and I want to, you know, I want to be a part of a winning team. And, you know, I feel like we have a lot of great pieces in Winnipeg and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get the, I wanted to get an understanding from the organization of, you know, where they saw this team and where in, you know, where they, where they saw me mm-hmm. and, you know, how I saw myself and, you know, I know I got criticized, you know, for my comments for being selfish or whatever, but I think they, that just kind of got over, overblown. I was just, I was just showing how much I care about the game of hockey, how much I care about the, the Winnipeg Jets organization, how much I care about wanting to, to bring a winning team to Winnipeg. And I think, you know, wires got crossed and, you know, I just, you know, I want every, obviously everyone to know how much I care about the game and how much I, I love this game and respect this game and, and how much I respect the, the Winnipeg Jets organization to, to want to bring a winning team to, to Winnipeg. I really love people that are obsessed. I know a lot of common wisdom is, oh, you need to have balance in your life. Like, when you want something, like part of you has to become obsessed, completely. Fun. And the thing that we all know about you is you're the 24-7 hockey guy. Like there's that obsession there. Then there's Adam Oates. And we've talked a lot about Adam Oates here on this podcast. We've talked to you about Adam Oates before. When it comes to obsession about hockey, does he out Shifley Mark Shifley? Oh yeah, he definitely, he definitely, <laughs> he definitely beats me in that in that category. He, you know, he's 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 twenty four seven. He's always thinking about a new way to help his players. You know, he's always watching video. I think that's the one thing that no one understands is how much video he watches. Like he's a guy that wakes up oh, at yeah. five a.m. every single day, pretty much, and you know, he'll take a, he'll take his dogs for a walk. And then it's pretty much on the computer watching, you know, watching games. I was with him a couple of weeks ago and he was, you going to watch a couple of games? And we were just like, we were just hanging out um, before dinner. He's like, going to watch a couple of games. We watched, we ended up watching three of my games and it was just, it was just awesome. Like he just, and it was games that we've watched before that he sent me clips before, but he's like, yeah. I'll pick, he, he, oh, he's like, I'll pick out a few more things. And he just, he loves the game. He wants his players to get so much better. Like he is so invested in in the players that he works with and all he wants is the best for them. He wants them to, he wants them to succeed. He wants their teams to succeed. Like he loves the game and he loves bettering his players and improving their players and, you know, giving them a better hockey life, giving them a better, a better life in general. And, you know, he definitely out obsesses me. What did you work on this summer? I'd say it was a lot more simple things. You know, he looks at the game very differently than, than a lot of people, you know, he talks, you know, especially he was a centerman, you know, he understands that, you know, centermen play pretty much four corners you know, which a lot of people don't really think about, you know, you have to be able to play both corners in the D zone. You have to play both corners in the, in the O zone. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, it was a lot of simple plays, being able to get in and out and being in the right position defensively and offensively in all those areas and thinking how many times you get into these, you know, little battles in every corner and how many of those add up. And I think it was so it was it was a lot more almost like dumbing it down and doing the simple things and making sure that you, you don't make those mistakes, you know, in those simple situations and, and not taking those for granted because, you know, those simple plays can lead to a lot of offense. They can lead to, you know, better defenses zone plays that can lead to kind of good things all over the ice. And I think that's something that I, that I love about it is because it's something you don't think about when you watch your video. It's mm-hmm. something you don't think about is the little battles, you know, was I, was I in the right position? Did I go into this guy correctly? And I think, you know, that's what I love about, I love about Otzi is that he, he thinks about all those little things that you kind of will overlook. Well, how have your conversations been with Rick Bonus? What are you expecting to be different? Yeah, they've kind of been just kind of, you know, simple stuff. Not really, not really any any hockey stuff yet. Um, you know, I think I'm sure that'll come once we start playing or you know, training camp comes around. But kind of just, you know, simple stuff. You know, talking about you know how are the guys in the room, how are the you know how are things last year, you know, what things would you like to see differently. You know, I, I, I love it because he seems like such a great communicator. One day he just, I was on the golf course. He called me and just said, Hey, want to check in? How are you doing? Like, you know, how's your summer? How's your, how's your training been doing? I was like, I haven't had that in my entire career to have a, have a, have a coach call me and be like, Hey, like, how's life? You know, what, what, what are you been up to? What have you been working on? And, you know, that's been really nice. And I've, I've, I've heard absolutely amazing things from him. OC played for him back in the day and, mm-hmm. and raved about him. I think every guy that's played for him was like, this guy's, this guy's not just a great coach, but he's a great human being. And I think that's something that I, um, that I've really respected from him and excited to, excited to learn from him and, and, and get to know him more. So when he asked you like, what's the room like and what happened last year? Like what kinds of things did you tell him? Well, that's the thing is I think that a lot of people thought, you know, there was problems in our room when we actually have a really, a really tight knit room. You know, I, I, I know even talking to, you know, guys that, you know, either got, either got traded or, or gone this year. And they're like, I felt like I could go to dinner with every single guy in this team, which, you know, isn't always the case. You know, we just had, we had a really tight knit team and, you know, I just don't think we knew what our direction was last year. You know, obviously we had a coach leave. We kind of systems wise weren't, weren't really sure exactly what was, what was going on and what we were trying to accomplish and why we were trying to accomplish it. And it looked messy last year. There's times where, you know, our, our team looked messy and disorganized and unsure about what we were doing. And, and I think everyone's looking forward to this fresh start of, of understanding, you know, what our system is, why are we doing this in the D zone? Why are we doing this in neutral zone? And when you understand that about your system, I feel like you get like a, you, you learn about it more. You have a a deeper appreciation for, you know, why you're doing it. And Mm -hmm. then you're able to, you're able to do it, you know, at a better clip because you understand why you're doing it. So I think a lot of guys are excited for that fresh start in terms of, in terms of structure and understanding what the, what we're, what, what's expected from, from the coaches. Let me ask you about that a little bit deeper. That's interesting too, because I can, uh, I can recall a conversation, a couple of conversations I had about Tyler Sagan when bonus had him in, in Dallas and on the power play, like bonus took over and all of a sudden, Sagan's in a different spot. And we talk about, you know, the, the four corners that the centerman plays in and all the responsibilities that a centerman has. And I looked at it at the Dallas power play and I said, I've never seen Sagan there before. And, uh, and called a couple of people and said, oh, that's a bonus thing. That's like he wasn't there with Montgomery or Hitchcock. Like, that's Rick Bonus. That's what I'm kind of excited about. I'm excited to have those conversations. And, and you know, one, one thing that, that Bones actually did say was, you know, I don't know what the problem is until I actually find out. So I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. 
You know, if you're, if, you know, if something, if, if you, if you feel like something's off or if I feel like something's off, I'm going to have the conversation with you, which I, which I love. Like, I love talking the game. Yeah. I love talking about, you know, what he's thinking, what his perspective is. Cause you know, maybe I give him a different perspective and maybe he gives me a different perspective and that's, you know, that's how teams grow. That's how, that's how, you know, all of our knowledge grows is by having those conversations. He said, we're not always going to agree, but I always want to have the conversation with you. Like, I respect that huge because yeah, we don't have to agree on everything, mm-hmm. but as long as we're on the as long as we're on the same page, that that's what that that's what all that matters. And I think, you know, I really respect it about him. So I'm excited to have those conversations with him and and understand what he what he expects from me, what you know, what he sees in my game, what he what he sees for our team, and what he sees for me personally. And I I think you know having a guy as seasoned as he is and all the guys he's coached, you know, all the experience he has to to learn from a guy like that is is really exciting for a guy like me. Last one for me is you watch everything. What, of all the moves that happened this offseason, what was the one that got you the most? It's got to be the Matty Kachuk one. You know, obviously, I don't think anyone saw it. So that saw that coming. You know, that blockbuster of a deal from Florida and, and Calgary, like that was a pretty, a pretty yeah. wild trade. So I like that one. That one. That one. I think that that shocked me, and I think it shocked the entire league. Mm-hmm. You gonna miss playing against them? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for this one. No, thank you guys. Stanley Cup champion, Nathan McKinnon. So almost exactly a year ago today, uh, the three of us were sitting in a room in Chicago and we were talking about you and we were talking about things you've done in the game. And I don't know if you stopped us midway, but you wanted to go out of your way to make the point that, hold on guys, I haven't done anything yet. And you went on and you talked about what Sid's done and the trophies and the cup and all that kind of stuff. How do you feel now? Yeah, I was thinking about that too, like, Last year was all about what happened against Vegas. You know, you guys choked and all that stuff. And now it's it's all positive this year. Things have changed. But yeah, it feels good. I probably thought I'd feel more satisfied after winning a cup. And I'm just, <laughs> people are like, people are asking me, oh, like, are you going to chill out now, Nate? And nah. I'm like, no, nah, I feel the same. I got to tell you, that was, so. my, that was my number one question was because... Yeah. I thought the same thing Jeff did. I was wondering if you were too driven to be satisfied. And I think you just answered the question. Yeah, I I just think you just want the feeling again. It's so special to win it. And I'm so proud of our group and what we did. And I guess satisfied isn't the right word. I'm just happy that, you know, my every year you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I'll ever get one. I'll never get one. I can't retire without getting one. I don't, but you see some legends that have never won it and – you feel so lucky to have wanted and it's an amazing feeling. What was, what was the most satisfying thing? Whether it was in the moment or after or sometime during the summer, what was the most satisfying thing? Just the, you know, losing and bouncing back is, is the most satisfying thing. You're just so low. Just for instance, the, the game five loss against St. Louis when we blew a three, nothing lead. It's the second round demons, you know, around our team. It's a lot going on. And, that's a tough game to lose. And then we have to go to into St. Louis to, to win game six. And we, and we dominated the game. And I truly think like it was crazy goals, how they, how they won it. And I'm not like a huge spiritual guy, but it was almost like it was setting us up for game six in Tampa, losing game five in the finals. It was just a tough day, a uh, heavy day. It was a lot of pressure and cup was in the building. It was our first time in that situation. So but yeah, I think it kind of set us up. And if we maybe if we won Game Five against St. Louis, we wouldn't have had that proper experience 
going through that already in that postseason. So athletes sort of come to this realization later on once their career is done and they, and they look back and that is um, appreciating losing and it makes winning more profound. And there's more of a gravity around winning when you've gone through, you know, as you mentioned, whether it was against Vegas, for example, uh, are you at the point where you can appreciate having lost before winning? Yeah, totally. I totally can. I think you have to in our situation, at least. And me and Gabe Landeskog were talking, just looking back and we thought we were ready to win and we had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) We we had no clue. Like 17, 18, 18, 19 against Calgary and San Jose. Like we're like, oh yeah, this is the year. And it was never that year. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) We were young, you know, we're still a, a pretty young team. Our core is all in our 20s, mid 20s, kills 23, 24. So a lot of good years ahead of us still. And but yeah, the, all that experience, all that losing, all those uh, hardships, um, how we handled things then versus now. I think that's what life's all about, just growing. So, All right. There is a piece of business we got to deal with here, and that is your future. You're, you've got one more year on your contract. Um, there, I've heard that it's possible you could end up as the highest paid player in the league. Will you end up as the highest paid player? You have to ask Pat. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I'm hoping we'll, we'll get it done pretty soon. And Colorado's the only place I want to be. That's for sure. So love Joe and C-Mac. Those guys are great. It's just, you know, a little business, but sorry to not to answer your question, but I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> I'm not going to answer you. But what you're saying to me is there's nothing to worry about here. Like this is on the path to getting done. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, myself, Pat, the team, we all have good intentions. There's no bad blood or anything. It's just, it's been a longer process than I thought, I guess. Um, my head, it's like, oh, first day I'm eligible, it'll be done, you know, but things don't work like that, I guess. <laughs> Um, but it's okay. I think, uh, it should be done shortly. I'm hoping that's my goal. If not, I guess feeling good. So whatever happens, happens. Okay. Let's lighten it up. Was Sidney Crosby the drunkest person at your Stanley cup party? (laughs) No, but he, he had a good time though. So I'll put him in the top 10. (laughs) You can tell us who wore the lampshade. Uh, Gabe, Gabe fell asleep at my, at my party. So you wake up with writing on his face. <laughs> no. oh, okay. We took it easy on him. <laughs> uh, at, at, at what point? Cause listen, like what a marvelous season Stanley cup, like, and the, the Stanley cup final was great, by the way, that was a, from our perch, that's yeah, a great cup final a great to watch, final. man. That was so much fun. At what point this summer did you say, okay, that was then. And then we have another season coming up. Hmm. Not yet. I don't think. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm hungry for more, but yeah. I just think, you know, you text the boys or talk to them now. You see them in Denver, like, you know, we've all watched the final game like three or four times, mm. like start to finish, and just the build up to it. Like, if they lose this game, they go back for game seven. Then I like seeing like the behind the scenes stuff. You see what John Cooper's saying about us and how we're getting tight, and it's just awesome. I just lo- I just love to see that, and I love Coop. I love I played for him at Worlds. Like yep. I think oh, yeah. he's a amazing guy, amazing coach. But it's just fun to see him say those things. Just like uh, like come on, Coop, we were that tight. But he was right. <laughs> he honestly was right. Was he yeah. game five? He was right. Yeah, he was saying these guys are tight, and he could feel it and see it. And yeah, he was right. We were tight. So yeah. was there anything else when you went back and you watched that really stood out? The one thing was like 
we didn't really say much when the cameras were in the in the room um they they come in at like nine on the clock and we would just kind of all shut up then you know we didn't want to like i don't know it's just kind of phony just going to stand up in front of the room when the camera comes in and give a motivational speech none of us really like that so people were wondering like oh like the mood looked bad in the room like in game six i remember i did a podcast back home called high button yeah give him a little shout out absolutely yeah um so i did a podcast with them in halifax and he was like oh like you know the mood looked really bad and you know down one nothing you had an ice bag on your neck and but i was just like no we felt amazing like we knew we were going to win that game like we liked playing from behind that whole series and i think we had 10 comeback wins we just felt looser down we just kind of played aggressive and freer it was it was weird when we got up we got a little tight and tried to preserve the lead versus attack and and be aggressive and play our game so we enjoyed being down in game 6 we were down one nothing think like the first shift of the game but yeah we were good so sometimes there's um there's a moment in the series where a a team can feel okay we've got them now we know we have them did you ever feel that way against tampa no no they're a weird team to play um they played like a one three one in the neutral zone like kind of tight and they let you have possession with the puck but they block everything like their their d are so big and then you have Vasilevsky in the net when you do get one through so it's just a hard and they don't go away I think they're such a resilient group and mm-hmm. maybe we underestimated that a little bit going into game three you know beat them seven nothing in game two and we we're just feeling it you know we're like oh yeah like here we go and then we lost six two <laughs> so <laughs> you know then you're like oh god this could be two two really quickly if we don't win game four and yeah, yeah the Nas comes back obviously scores that OT winner yeah charge the other way Lekkonen just off the bench quickly ahead Nas and Kadri inside the circle Kadri where's the puck how did that not go in it did it did go in it did it did we it did won. He scores! Nazem Kadri! Yeah. The Kadri man can! I didn't see it, but they did! I don't believe it! Kadri into the lineup, he gets the overtime winner! And you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here because this party is over! Kadri with a move towards the net. Nobody in the world, including yours truly, knew that it went in. Underneath the arm of Vasilevsky. Oh, yeah. It sticks in the top of the net. That's what happened. It sticks in the top of the net. It's top shelf. That was a special moment, I think, in in hockey history, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. You know, he's got his half his thumb is still cracked and displaced, and he comes back and makes a great move and the offside thing. And it was, like you said, it was a fun series. I think, uh, you know, we try to just stay locked into it and, and not get caught up in the media stuff, but you could definitely tell there was a buzz around the. Let, let me ask you about the, the, uh, the offside thing. Was it an offside thing or an onside thing? It's really close. Nachushkin trying to get out. He's doing everything he can. Woodcroft's going to challenge immediately. Yeah. And they were looking down at that the video camera that's on the ice or the video screen that's on the ice. Here's the call. After coach's challenge for offside, it's determined that the play was onside therefore we have a good goal wow i love being wrong i i mean i've made a career out of being wrong that is i have i mean well i was the guy on the ice yeah i know and holy smokes i remember i was just so tired when i was changing and i knew we were doing a quick up 
And for some reason, I could have just went left and jumped over the boards. But the bench was like a little bit offside, like the door. Like in San Jose. In San Jose when Gabe went offside. Yes. So I didn't want to change. I just stood there. And I was just thinking, I can't go offside. (laughs) Nas did jump a little early. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's the I guess it's the not our fault we didn't get called and I'm sure they'd take that goal too. So what was the best text or call you got after you won? Like in the aftermath. There's always people who who reach out to you out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like was there one you said, Wow, like that's Peyton Manning came to our little cup celebration in Denver, uh, which was amazing. Uh Wayne Are you Gre- gonna go on the Manning cast? Uh no, I, I hope they invite me. You should. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh Wayne Gretzky, he he texted me quite a bit actually during the playoffs, which mm. was pretty cool. Uh, does he give you see. tips or anything like that, or what does he do? He just compliments me. <laughs> I'm just like, thanks, Wayne, <laughs> like Mr. Gretzky. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. Like you see Wayne Gretzky pop up on your phone. I'm like, oh, is that re- is that actually real? You know, he's such a nice person. Mm-hmm. I'd say those two. I, I don't. There were so many. You know, it's like, remember I sat down. I had like anxiety not answering people. You know, and mm-hmm. so I sat down one day. It took me a couple hours, and I answered everybody. So. How many messages was it? I I, I had a few hundred, I think, mm-hmm. and. I think Eric Johnson had a couple thousand. I'm like, dude, you know way too wow. many people. <laughs> you got to stop giving out your number. But <laughs> Jared Bednar, your head coach. I mean, uh, a winner at every level. I I have a lot of time for someone that spent as much time both as you know a player and as a coach in the ECHL, yeah. and was probably given a lot of reasons and opportunities to quit and never took it. Um, really, I was happy for a lot of people on you. I was happy for you. Like, happy for a lot of people yeah. within the Avs. And he becomes, you know, one of the most decorated coaches uh, of all time at various hockey levels, ECHL, AHL, uh, and now NHL. What was he like during the playoffs? What was he like during the Tampa series? He was great. Bedsy's a really chill guy, which is good for my relationship, I think, as with a coach. I'm not so chill sometimes, and he's super relaxed. We've heard. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get all fired up, and he's like, it's okay. You know, he's just like, he's like a surfer guy. You know, he's just like, it's okay. But he he does get really fiery, too, like when he has to, which which I think is great. He doesn't come in every day like the same. He picks his spots, and he reads the room, and he has such a good relationship with the players and stuff. And and it's always been like that. It wasn't just because we won now. It's like looser. Like he's just the same all the time, which is nice from a coach. Like you don't want your coach being different every day or not saying hi to you in the hallways, and guys are guys getting their head about that. So, But, yeah, like you said, I mean, he – he he grinded like he was playing in the coast and won as a coach yeah. in the A. Like he's earned everything he's gotten. It wasn't like he played for twenty years in the NHL then just got a job. Like mm-hmm. no, it's like twenty really, years in the coast, player coach. Like yeah, it, uh, I think those are the best coaches. You know, even Cooper, he didn't play. I don't know. It's just when you just love coaching, it's all you want to do your whole life. I think it's uh, those are the best ones. I know you watch a lot of news and stuff to see what's going on out there on your road to repeating this year was there one move that happened in the summer that you said that's going to be interesting in terms of our goal to repeat another team made or even you guys made well the obvious one is calgary nas going to calgary he texted our group chat he's like i don't give any deals on the ice like <laughs> that was like the end of the text though it was like love you guys whatever all that stuff He's like, I don't give any deals. And then he left the chat, <laughs> which was pretty so fitting for Nas. you're going to stick up the nose this <laughs> oh, year. Oh, yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. I think that'll be a tough one. But I, I think even our divisions is is a grind with yep. with Mini, St. Louis, 
uh, Nashville, Winnipeg, I think Dallas. So yeah, it's, it's a grind. Like it's a, it's heavy hockey. It's obviously, and then the Pacific is really good too. So I think the West is stronger than it, it was last year in general. So yeah, I guess the last thing I want to ask is we joked about Crosby before. Obviously you guys have an incredible relationship. Now you guys are, I know you wouldn't like the term equals, but you've both won. And I wondered when you guys skated together and you guys talked together this off season, did it change at all? Because you now both have the same feeling of that great win. I just think we can like talk about it more. I think it's kind of awkward to talk about it with someone who hasn't won. You don't want to like feel like you're, you know, bragging or anything. And I, I think that's how he is. He didn't want to like, but I think just comparing the similarities between team culture you know what kind of recipe you have to have to win like how the mood is and everything so it's cool to talk to him about that now for sure i get to kind of pick his brain a little bit more but yeah you're on this sacred thing forever now and that's what's so cool seeing all these names that you're affiliated with i think that's the most special thing all the best players ever on that on that trophy and, and now we get to be on it too so it's pretty cool well, Jeff, Nathan smiled 78 times during this interview with yeah. breaks his previous record by, I think, 78. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. congratulations, well Nathan, all your success. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, so that's Nathan McKinnon of the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. On a scale of 1 to 10, Elliot, how surprised were you to see him A, smile, and B, laugh? He smiled a lot. It was weird. He smiled about 78 times, uh, breaking his previous record by 77. <laughs> hey, man's happy guy. He finally got his cup. But, you know, I, I think that once the season starts, my guess is he reverts back to sneering, angry, grinding Nathan McKinnon. Agreed. Uh, coming up after the break, you'll hear from Sidney Crosby. But up next, Matthew Barzal of the New York Islanders. And you're obviously still big into the style, eh? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I like it. Like, I like uh, just dressing nice. Yeah, no, right. yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's great. I didn't realize the boots are, the boots are styling it. They're, I mean, they look a little. Oh, those are Chelsea boots, right? Yeah, these are these Margiela boots. Oh, come on, excuse Elliot. me, come on, yeah. Elliot. Yeah. Elliot, come on, man, Elliot. Like, wake up! But that was so five minutes ago, Elliot. Please. I know, I know. Jeez, Kimber, what's happened to this guy in three years, man? He's turned his back on BC. He's all about the fashion now. Ah! <laughs> the Big Apple got a hold of Matt Marcel. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple, and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Uh, 
Uh, Matthew Barzell, first question, how was the summer and where were you? Summer was great. was in Long Island for most of it. Uh, played a ton of golf, went back home for a month, went and saw my family. But uh, weather in Vancouver was a little bit so-so. So I was, I, I just, I need, I need the sunshine. And, and New York is good about that in the summer. We had a good summer in New York. Yeah. A lot of golf, four or five days a week. We got our, uh, I know, that's a lot of golf, man. It was fun. It was good. Right out of the rink, go play some golf and relax for the night. It was a good schedule. Wait a second, wait a second. Relax for the night? This is the only part of the story I don't believe so no, far. No, no, that's, that's it, Elliot. Come on. It's, <laughs> it's an easy night. Cook some dinner, watch, watch some sports. That's it, man. So I have a bunch of friends who grew up on the West Coast. And whenever a West Coaster becomes an East Coaster, it's very devastating for them. Are you a BC guy? Now a New Yorker. Okay. So I think I still bring that Canadian BC blood, but it's floating around New York right now. I feel like I got the go play golf in the afternoon, go for a nice Italian dinner at night. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's, it's come full circle. I got a little bit, a little bit of both now. So I feel like it's if two worlds are going to collide, having Vancouver and, and New York, that's yeah, a good combo. So are you 50, 50? Are you 60, 40? I think East? I'm tilting New York. I think I'm tilting oh, a little New York. 51, geez. 49, maybe <laughs> 60, 40. <laughs> you, you know, this is music to the ears of the Islander fans, man. This is music to the ears of the Islander fans. No, I love it out there. I mean, I, I think it's underrated. It doesn't get talked about enough how, uh, the lifestyle that you can live in in Long Island and uh, being in New York, you just have so much around you. I was at the Michael Jackson Broadway show last week. Oh, yeah? I'm playing top 10 course in, in the United States the next day. It's like you can do so many things in New York. There's so much, you know, you got the nice beaches. You got, uh, I was in Martha's Vineyard for a few days, a little two-hour drive up there. You got the Hamptons. There's so much to do. Like I, you're I loving mean, life right now. Like I'm listening to you great, talking. Man. It's like everything life's about life's the great. summer. I should throw in that our practice facility. We have the ice every day. <laughs> we do. We, we have full access I to a beautiful throw gym. That in quote. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, this is a, this is a tough day for the people of British Columbia. Matthew Barzell is an East Coaster. I know. They might know that. Yeah, they they only got me probably for another two three summers. Then it's full time. Then it's everyone. All my buddies from back home. They got to come up to New York if they want to see me. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you've heard it here first. Matthew Barzell, career Islander, right? I mean, if things go well, I'd I'd love to play my career on Long Island. I I, I take a lot of pride in, in that. I think a couple of my favorite athletes of all time: Michael Jordan, Sidney Crosby. I mean, Tom Brady's in in Tampa now, but he was but with New England for fault. so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just, I think, a really cool thing when you can see him, Malkin resign back in Pittsburgh this summer. It was, like, so cool to see Geno, Sid, those guys, you know, stay their whole career in, in, in Pittsburgh. So that's something uh, hopefully I can do. You know, this was a really, and, and I, I want to focus on sort of the, the, the off-ice and the Islanders alumni more than anything else. This was a tough year for that franchise, yeah. whether it's the passing of Clark Gillies, the passing of Mike Bob- Like, this was a, right. this was a really... The alumni with the Islanders is really strong. Those guys love each other. You know, yeah. when you win Stanley Cups, like you know the old Fred Shearer line, "Win tonight, we walk together forever." Yeah, like there, yeah. there is that bond. How much do you feel that at your level? That's a really great group of yeah. of, of alumni. Like, does that vibe trickle down to your team? Oh, like, it does look for at sure. These guys? It does for sure. I think even with our playoff runs, it was like being in the bubble together. We have I've, I'm so close with everyone on my team and taking that next step and winning, then it's really like, it, then that's another level to, to your guys, to the relationship. Um, but yeah, I mean, what awful timing with Clark and with yeah. Mike Bossy this year was, mm-hmm. those guys were there for, um, 
John Tonelli's induction and Butch Goring's induction, seeing them kind of sit around each other and tell stories and just kind of laugh and what it's been almost 50, 40 years now since they won. And mm-hmm. it seems like they're all, they still got that laughter. They're still telling stories about back in the day and, and laughing and stuff. So that's cool to see. Like, hopefully I can, you know, have that bond. I, I you know, we won a championship in junior. It's like texting those guys every other day still. It's like still, eh? 10 guys in a group chat. We play oh, fantasy yeah. football. It's like when you win and, that kind of stuff because on long like our team right now we already have an unbelievable group of guys like we're all so tight so i think mm. i think that's step one and then when you win it like it's just it makes it feel that much better did you win week one fantasy or no uh, i went one in three i'm a, I'm a manager You're of four, four manager of four teams yeah i'm a i'm a, I'm a gm yeah i'm a serious gm man <laughs> what's, the, what's the worst fantasy football job? <laughs> seriously I, I do two leagues and that's too know, much for me this is, what's the worst fantasy football trade you ever made Elliot, come on, man. I'm not. I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy in the league that they. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not that guy, man. Like, um, I only. Okay, what's the best fantasy football trade you ever um, made? I made a nice one last year with uh, Brock Nelson. I think it was like Nick Chubb mm-hmm. was in the deal. I think I gave. I don't know. Uh, okay, let me ask you. Was, I don't, you know, I, those are tough to remember. Who's the biggest mark? I will say this like, though. I will say this. Guys are texting me already. Like. They know I'm the trade guy. Like they know I'm active. Like I'm I, like guys are always on the move. You know, like they know they if they want to make a trade, they know to come to me. So who's the biggest mark then? Who's like I got to make a deal with this guy because he doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, I feel like it's not so much that. It's more so you got to find the weaknesses. You got to find the weak teams that need a guy. A guy goes down for injury, then you then you hop on it. You know, you got to be active with that stuff. But we got some. The Islander League is. That's a tough league. We got some good guys that that are dedicated and been playing a long time. So, yeah, I'm looking. I haven't won that one yet. So, that's amazing. Four leagues now. Last year, like it was tough year for you guys between the road trip and the COVID that you guys got. Just Matt, like I know there's a feeling that in the organization that that was an outlier year and that's not going to happen to us again. Like, just take us through last year and where it kind of went sideways and how that's not going to happen again in your eyes. Um, I mean, everyone knows about the 13 game on the road and then, you know, the COVID hit. I think the COVID thing was the biggest part because I think we went 11 straight losses. Like there was 12 regulars in the lineup and this is the NHL. Like you can't go into a lineup. I don't care what team you are. You can't have eight or nine guys out and like expect to win hockey games. Like it's just, you know, you obviously are trying, but teams are so good and the parity is so good that, you know, you have six, seven guys out of the lineup. It's, it's, it's not easy. So and anytime you're just, I feel like we're just chasing the whole year. Like I think for us this year, um, really got to focus on the start because we were five, six games below 500 early in the season, maybe even more than that. And it's just mm-hmm. like, now you're chasing. Now every game is desperate. You can't afford to go on a little two, three game slide. Like, so we were kind of in that, in that uh, space really early on last year. So it's going to be really critical for us, I think, uh, to have a good start. It's going to be big. You know, last year with the Rangers, Igor Shosturkin became an enormous story. Yeah. Right? Vesna Trophy, the whole deal, leads him to the playoffs. Do you think this is the season where the cat gets out of the bag about how good Ilya Sorokin is? I think the cat is a little bit already out of the bag. I think he's... Those that know, no. But I mean, I'm Those that know, like, no, right? I think uh, yeah, Igor had a great year. But I think when, you know, if you watch Ilya Sorokin in practice, like this guy is so good. Like he makes yeah. saves. He's so flexible. And that's not a... Varlamov is, yeah. he is top-tier goaltender as well. Ilya coming over from Russia and stuff. I mean, he's just like the flexibility, the saves he can make. The one he made on Panarin last year, I think it was the save of the year. Oh, my God. What a save. Wow. What a save with the stick. 
Sorokin was down on the ice. Sam, I think he just became a candidate for save of the year. It was a beauty. Boy, oh boy. This is, so here's what happens in the Ranger zone. Lee bumps into his centerman, Nelson, and now the Rangers use that to their advantage, and they come back the other way, and there's a chance by Panarin, and that's just a, just a fabulous wow. save. I mean, Look at the position his body's in. The kid, the guy's a ninja, and and the thing about him is like he works so hard off the ice. He's like he's one of those goalies that I always love. Where whistle blows, grab a puck, and you want to make him like go a little breakaway with the goalie. And some goalies will just skate out of the ice and go get water. And he's oh he'll take every shot. He'll really? be the he'll be the last guy on the ice. So fun to have. But I think we know inside our locker room how good he is. So. I think everyone does honestly know how good when when he is. when you have a goalie and the, the Rangers did this like they have the goalie so like yeah. they cheated right like they, there's some liberties you can take when you have a goalie what Jeff like that. What trying to do right. is, is get you to say the Rangers aren't that good. Hold on, I'm saying like under your previous coach like there's no way like okay we're gonna you know we're yeah, gonna yeah. cheat a little bit in our own so it's not no. it's not gonna happen. Do you think that'll change with Lane Lambert? Like, once you have that goalie, that affords yeah. you certain luxuries. Right, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I think Lane Lambert's, you know, I think him and Barry obviously have some some similar philosophies. Like, sure. And that's a good thing. Like, that's a, that's a really good thing. I think Lane's just, you know, I think he's a really smart hockey guy. Like, I think he really knows the game well. Mm-hmm. And um, I think winning culture, you need to be defensive. Like, you need to have good defensive structure. And Barry did a, Barry did a great job of bringing that into our team because we were kind of lacking that a little bit. And it made us successful. So I think that's a staple in our culture, like having good defensive. But I would say, like, when you know you have such good goaltending, you can rely on them for, like, a big save here or there. Maybe the D does get a little more active and makes a play and, you know, <laughs> yeah, maybe the D does get a little active and then maybe we do give up a little bit of all-man rush and, you know, Strokin makes a huge save or Varlo makes a big save. So I think our style is still going to be def- defensive-oriented. Um, but it, But at the end of the day, like, it hurt us last year uh, not scoring enough goals. Like That's going to take us to the next level. So I think what, there's going to be a good balance uh, this year of both. Has Lambert talked to you about how your range might change or your role might change or things you might be allowed to do? I have Twitter and stuff, and I see fans. I, you know, I talk to fans outside, and they think that it's going to be like, oh, now – you know, because Barry's obviously, you know, defensive-minded and whatnot. And, and, Barry, and Barry did a lot of good things for my game. No, nobody, right. Nobody's taking any shots at Barry Trotz. No, no, no. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. But I think that yes. I know, you know, being with Lou and being with Lane and being with Barry, like, if our team's going to be successful, like, myself and everyone else in the forward group has to be good defensively. It's not just like, you know, now it's like just running gun hockey. Like, it's it's a it's a balance of both. I think uh, just the conversations I've had with Lane, like, he, he expects – me to be to back check hard and he that those are things I have to do and when I'm doing those things he says you know he's obviously told me that you know I want to get you on the ice and you know power play but if you're not doing those things I can't I can't give you leeway to do other things so it's a nice balance I think we're going to have and I'm, I'm looking forward to it what was your favorite Zadino Chara moment of last Ooh, year lots I think uh oh man actually there's a couple fun there's a couple good ones it, I think I love Chara so just yeah, yeah. keep telling them I'm no good yeah with that. um I'm in the gym and I'm working out and like, I, I like to work out during the season. Like I, I feel like I, I, I work out quite a bit and this guy, 45 years old, like I'm one of the last guys hanging around the gym. I leave and he's still in there. Then the next day, like I come in, like I leave, he's still in there. And I'm like, he's literally just an animal. Like he's, he's working out more than everybody. And he's 45. I'm like, I'm going to stay in here for two hours one day to see if he like doesn't, if he's just like doing it. So like he is the last guy, you know what I mean? Maybe it's his thing. Maybe it's his thing. Phenomenon. Um, 
I mean, just the, I mean, he works so hard. Like it was so impressive just to see like his work ethic in the gym. And I think just the size of him is mm -hmm. actually just, it's, it's mental. Like how big he is. He's like, he was like 6% body fat, 255, 69. Like, like he is a massive human. Like it's incredible. So, and, and along with that, I think he, uh, he provided just a lot of great like uh, advice for, for What's younger guys. What's the advice he gave you? You know, he was just, he's just full, like, full of wisdom. I felt like every time he, he spoke, he was like the, I don't even know what the comparison would be. It was like almost every time he spoke, it was like some kind of wisdom. You were mm -hmm. taking something from it. You know what I mean? Um, it's more personal stuff, you know? I understand. Yeah. yeah. I understand. You yeah. don't want to share that. That's, right, that's right. important. Right. Yeah. What do you think when you see guys, and we think of like Yakov Trenin in Nashville, like when you see guys like, challenge him that's a funny that, that that was funny it was like his <laughs> we were laughing it's like his seven a 1650th game and he's yeah. just pounding some guy like <laughs> just feeding some guy you know what i mean like against the sharks that night and then i don't know if it's the trend in one or who was it when he he was literally like hey man are you okay like i'm sorry like literally he's like he, like, he was like almost apologetic like i just oh it was, it was philly i think it was philly i think yes. it was uh McEwen, maybe McEwen. yeah exactly. McEwen. It was, right right yeah and he just like annihilated. I mean, Zach McEwen's a pretty pretty Tough big guy, guy too. Yeah, like yeah. you know what I mean. Like, but I mean, what goes through your mind? I'm just curious. Like you're watching with other other. You're on the ice or you're on the bench. Like what goes through your mind when you're seeing he, like, this? Like he like makes sure he's okay. I was like, this is he's the biggest guy I've ever seen. Like he could. I'd like to see him go toe to toe with like Tyson Fury or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think he give him a run for his money. Uh, I that's awesome. the last one I have for you. Like, I love listening to you talk, man. Like, go, going back from when you came in to okay. now, like, you're a confident guy. You, nice. you, you love to talk. Do you ever say, like, I wouldn't mind a little bit more attention? Like, I can be a, a photogenic star in this league, too. Now, you're playing for a GM, doesn't always like that, but do you ever think that? Uh, I kind of just, kind of just roll with it. Like, if that comes my way one day, I'd be open to it in new york so i feel like there's opportunity for that but i'm a hockey player like at, at heart you know so but i mean like you see other guys from from different from different sports and stuff kind of they're doing stuff with designer brands and like that kind of stuff and i think that's such really cool like why not like incorporate that stuff maybe saw kyle kuzma i wouldn't i wouldn't go this way. i saw kyle kuzma like walking down the runway the other day you know what i mean in, in some outfit i'm why like that's you? not for me that's why not for not? me that's you too could, much you could do that that's that that'd be too much you could do that maybe one day maybe one day When's the Barzal line coming out? Barzal line? <laughs> oh, got to compete with that. the Elliot Fried <laughs> the Elliot Friedman line. Like I don't know. That's, that's a good point. That's that's maybe that's one a, day. That's a tough one. Matt, there we'll see. Is no question, you could do anything you want. True. I appreciate no. that, guys. Uh, yeah. And you're generous with your time. Thanks so much for spending it with us today. Really appreciate it. Good luck this season. Thank you, guys. Great stuff, man. Elliot, you guys are awesome, Jeff. Appreciate that, guys. Elliot, yet another start to another week. Now, other than the 32 Thoughts podcast, there's eh, not much else really to look forward to. Jeff, you are forgetting about Montana's Daily Deals. Their chicken wings are double-dusted in-house, cooked to a golden crispy finish, and they're half price on Mondays. Uh, half price? Half price every Monday and sauced however you like them. Well then, head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar for half price wings every Monday the only other thing exciting about Mondays. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is 
people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Sydney Crosby, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Before we talk about you and the Penguins, I want to talk about something we've been talking a lot about and will continue to do so, and that's Nathan McKinnon. So a year ago in Chicago with the Players Tour, we tried to talk to him about his accomplishments and he was having none of it. He kept talking about you and what you've done, and now he's got the Stanley Cup. Uh, You have a couple of thoughts on McKinnon, the Cup, his play, his place, and the party. A lot. I got to cover a, a lot, lot there. Um, that's the full ten minutes. You know what you signed <laughs> yeah. up for. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what? Just you know, seeing each year. Obviously, the last, the two prior to this, where they won, you could tell it really stung. You know, in the summers, he wasn't happy. You know, they came up short, and I think he, you know, he expected to go further. He expected to give it more of a run than they did, and but I think at the same time, he was trying to learn through that, and he understood that. That was kind of the threshold. You see a lot of teams got to get by that second round. And the teams who did eventually kind of get through it. And uh, I just felt like these last, the two prior to him winning, he was just extra determined and he wasn't going to be denied. I mean, you see the way he steps up in the playoffs anyway. I mean, he couldn't couldn't have done any more even in those runs. He was unbelievable even when they were knocked out early. But uh, the way that he's been able to, to raise his level in the playoffs that's really hard to do and he's done it consistently so I'm happy for him I know that uh I know that it weighed on him a lot I know that he expected you know with the group that they had in Colorado uh to be right there and you know they took advantage of their opportunity and, and I'm happy for him I know how so you didn't get cranky Nathan McKinnon on the ice this summer oh yeah I didn't say that <laughs> I didn't say that he was pretty he happy for the first week him. he was and happy he the first week yeah. he sat there and laughed like, yeah what is that <laughs> yeah he was happy the first week, and then, uh, yeah, he's thinking about this year now. It, he, you know, we talked about it. One of the things we asked him was, when he talks to you, he could always talk to you as someone like you've won a lot, and he hadn't won yet. And even though, like, he obviously thinks the world of you, he kind of admitted that there was some level of the conversation that couldn't be there because you had experienced mm-hmm. something he didn't. So, how did the conversations change this summer? Now that he's been to that mount, top of that mountain, I think it just when he goes through certain things or experiences things, he realizes just how fine a line it is, and I think he probably appreciates, you know, all the little things that go into winning. And not that he didn't before, but he sees them close up. He sees how many people contribute to winning, you know, and all those all those role players that step up, and all those plays that could have went either way that. You know, you do need some bounces too. You can do everything right 
and you don't get a bounce sometimes, but I think he understands that a little bit better just having gone through it. And uh, you can tell that he appreciates it, you know, even more having gone through it. So he's really proud of that group. And, you know, I think he really appreciates all the guys who contributed to it. He said you weren't the drunkest, but you were in the top 10. Top 10. (laughs) Wow. All right. Where would you have rated yourself that night? I'd say at least top five, at least. I mean, he left two hours before I did, so I was. Really? I think I shut down the alehouse that night. So I mean, what else can I do? <laughs> I mean, what does he want from me? <laughs> you know, we um, uh, we talked about appreciating losing, and when you're going through it, you don't appreciate it. You hate it. We get how you guys are wired, but then when you finally win, you kind of look back and say, "Okay, I maybe I needed that struggle, and maybe I appreciate it more." I mean, you went through this in in your career. Um, before winning your cups, are you at a point where you can appreciate, like in your in your career, are you at a point where you can look back at losses and appreciate them? It's hard to say. I mean, my first year, there was so much going on. Like yeah. it was so hard to really take everything in. You know, you just, yeah. that's a hard one to really balance. But I, I think if I think about losing, I think 2008 is like the yep. best lesson, you know, for us, for me personally, couldn't have had a better lesson and a better team to to learn from as far sure. as if you're going to have a tough lesson that's a pretty darn good team to to get a lesson from that Detroit team so yeah I mean you don't want to you don't want to ever lose but if you do you got to take something from it and I think we probably took the most and personally I took the most from mm. from that 08 loss to Detroit did you ever think Malkin was going to free agency I was yeah I was sweating yeah, I mean, you just when it gets that close, you know how it is. It's anything can happen, and it was getting right down to the day. And yeah, it was it was a lot of uncertainty, especially it's hard, you know, late in the year. You know, it's a possibility. You want to think positive and you want to be optimistic, but it's still a chance that it, it might not happen. So um, I think that uncertainty was was tough. I mean, I'm sure it was for sure. It's tough on those guys. You know, it was definitely for me just not wanting to go there mentally you know you're in the playoffs you don't want to think you know this could be our last game playing together but the reality is it, it could have been so uh it's it's great that uh that they're back with us i mean yeah they made me sweat for sure <laughs> yeah. well i you know from the outside and you can tell me if you thought it differently i always thought Latang was going to get done i wasn't sure about malkin but i always thought Latang was going to get done now one of the things I've wanted in that 24-hour period there when it went from he's going to free agency to he signs is, like, you don't like anyone to ever really talk about anything that you're asked about or anything you say internally in the organization. But I've ever wondered, I've, I've wondered, Sid, in this particular case, if you called someone or you did anything just to say, we got to work this out. Yeah, I didn't have to do that. I mean, you know, of all the situations I've been in, it's not typically something I do, but I mean, especially in this one, I think, it's pretty obvious how I feel. I mean, it's it's not like I have to declare that. I think it's it's pretty clear how I feel about those guys and you know what we've gone through, what they mean to the team, the fact that they're still playing at a high level. Uh, I don't think anybody had to ask me that to to get a feel for it. So it didn't take much of that. If anything, it was just it was just me texting those guys. Is it done yet? What's going on? You know. So it was more of that you know, just trying to get a feel for where it was at, if it was going to get done. Do you think you guys will all retire together in Pittsburgh now? That'd be amazing. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's something we'd love to do. 
love to win again. I mean, that's, you know, retiring together. Yeah. But I think higher up on the list is, is winning together again. And that's our motivation. And, you know, those guys are wired that way. They're, you know, they're not just playing to retire in Pittsburgh. They want to win. And, uh, that's why they've had success for as long as they have. And that bodes well for us, if that's the case. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm curious about, I'll, I'll, I'll drop all the milk in the tang and all that anxiety talk here in a second, but one of the things I'm curious about is you're a longtime captain of the Pittsburgh Penguins. We all know your place on that team, your place in hockey. Would you have other players on your team calling you, texting you, saying, hey, What's up with Malkin? Hey, what's up with Latang? Is there anything you can share with us? Or is like I'm curious about the protocol here. Or is that like off off limits? No, I wouldn't say it's off limits. But I think you know nowadays everyone it's pretty easy to communicate with everybody, and everyone pretty much has a good idea of of what's going on. And I think like you know whether it's me or, or other guys, you know we all know we've been around hockey enough. Like the longer it goes, it's not there's more of a chance the closer it goes to free agency that it's going to mm-hmm. go the opposite way. So I think everyone felt and thought that, but I think everyone, especially that I talked to was really optimistic and I'm sure they let those guys know how much they wanted them to come back. And I was doing that and I'm pretty sure a lot of guys were. Have you given any indication as to how long, like, you know, you got three years left. Mm-hmm. You just turned 35. Mm-hmm. Have you said? Wait, so, you're gonna go 36 there. No, I, I, I was told there'd be no. I, I was told there'd be no math. What I went to, but no, I, no, 87. That's yeah. the one. I, but I've wondered. Like I'm watching Chara this this past year, and I know how much you love hockey. Yeah. And I've wondered, like, could we see you t- out there till you're 45 years old? No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't want to say no, but I would lean towards that not being the case i you know i'm thinking about three more years and then seeing what happens from there like i don't i know it doesn't do me any good to to look past that but i know that uh, i want to continue to play at a high level and i played a lot of hockey you know it's something that takes uh, a lot of effort you got to be invested and your body has to hold up there's a lot of things that you need to go right to continue to play you know uh, at an older age so yeah, I think that three years is my focus, and then from there I'll just kind of see where I'm at. Is there anything else you want to do? As far as hockey-wise? Just no. Like like you, you just talked about like your hockey life. I mm-hmm. wonder, have you thought about there's something else you might want to do with your life or anything like that? Um, no, I think your mind tends to, to go there as you get older, for sure. Like you, you understand the situation, and it's a really difficult position because as an athlete, you want to be in the moment. You don't want to necessarily think too far ahead, but reality is that that tends to happen a little bit more as you get older. So uh, it's, it's just kind of finding that balance of, you know, knowing that's that's reality of things, but enjoying the moment and, and getting the most out of yourself and uh, enjoying every day. It's a great game. It's the best job in the world, and you want to play as long as you can. Motivation. You've always been a driven guy. Uh, Colby Armstrong, and it was, it was he said it in a funny way, but there's a really profound point underneath it, just like Colby. Uh, we were talking about you one day, and he said, I'll tell you what about Sid. He trains and he works out as if he thinks there's a league higher than the NHL that he's trying to get to. 
that in his brain he still thinks there's something better than the NHL and he wants to get there. How do you react to that? Um, it's an interesting take for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's a Colby Armstrong. Yeah, it's a total Colby yeah Armstrong I like that. That it. sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I just I just try to be my best, and I know, you know, every day, you know, when uh, when you wake up or, you know, when there's things you want to accomplish, you know, I want to say at the end of the day that I've that I've done that and I've made the most of whatever this window of time is going to be in the NHL, and um, I don't take it for granted one bit. And I love it. So, you know, to me, it's it's easy to get up with that mentality every day. And and I think just having that mentality, uh, when that time does come, I'll appreciate it. But I'll I want to I want to know that uh, you know I've left it all out there. So as long as I can do that, that's the most important thing. I don't think there's ever going to be any question about that. Thanks for your time, Sid. Really Thanks, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Okay, so that's the podcast for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Just hearing from Sidney Crosby. Before him, you heard from Matthew Barzell, Nathan McKinnon, and Mark Scheifele kicked it all off. Don't forget, we're going on tour. Check the website, 32tour.com, hosted by Boston Pizza. Taking us out is a band that adopted New Orleans as their new home. Motel Radio generated a ton of buzz over the last couple of years in the indie scene as a self-sufficient group from their latest record, The Garden. Here's Motel Radio with Heatwave on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. There's a heat wave in my hometown on the regular. It's been a crazy couple months. There's a cold wind at the tail end of a ripping bar, crushing everything on. But beneath you, I can feel you in the moonlight. Lift me off the ground. Come on and turn me around. Go easy on me, easy on me You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences... People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.